Praise the Lord. She is ticking away now. So uh, God bless you for being here. If you have your Bibles with you, and if you don't, why not? Uh, certainly coming to church without your Bible is like going to war without a gun. Amen? You need, you need your Bible when we come together at God's house to study His Word. But uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 15, and uh, I'm not going to leave out any of it. We're going to look at the whole chapter. What I want to talk to you about this morning for the remainder of our time is a threefold relationship. Usually, when I uh, preach on John chapter 15, I, uh, I usually just preach on the first five or six verses. But I, uh, I got so enthralled in what I started reading when I got into it, I just couldn't stop. And I wound up going all the way through uh, verse 27. And uh, boy, I saw some things here that uh, just need to be pointed out in our lives and in our relationship. Uh, not only with the Lord, but uh, a threefold relationship. We're going to be looking at our relationship to Christ in verse 1 through 11. But we're also going to be looking at our relationship to one another in uh, verse 12 through 17. And then in verse 17, 18 through the end of the chapter, we're going to be looking at our relationship to the world. And uh, those are the three relationships that we as Christians should be very interested in, is how I relate to Christ and how Christ relates to me in my life. Now, I love this chapter because it, it's literally just filled with the deep teachings, uh, spiritual instruction that, that only comes uh, through, through the Word of God, but through Christ, but by the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that reaches into our hearts, into our homes, into our lives, and even into our minds that illuminates and wakes up and uh, shows us the truths of the Word of God. Uh, all the words of the Lord are, uh, of course, fresh and real. But I believe that when we study it in the power of the Holy Spirit, He illuminates our minds and we see some things that maybe we had never seen before. This whole chapter can be divided in these three parts. Our relationship to Christ, our relationship to one another, and our relationship to the world. Let's first look at verses 1-11. through 11, And it reads like this, I am the vine... And my Father is the husbandman. Now what Jesus is saying there is, is uh, that uh, I am the true vine. He didn't just say I'm the vine. He said I'm the true vine. In other words, there is a, there's a fake vine. There's a false vine. There's a simulated vine out there. And a lot of people have a lot of things that they've attached themselves to. Some to money, some to fortune, some to fame, some to things uh, of this world. But in the nation of Israel here, what the Jewish people had connected them to was Father Abraham. The blood of Abraham flowing through their veins, they thought made them part of the vine or the lineage of God. That they were the seed of God by being the seed of Abraham. My friend, listen, being a Jew doesn't make you a child of God any more than being a member of the church. Now when I say a member of the church, I'm talking about having your physical name written down in a physical book in a physical building like this. We are the church. Okay, so when we are the church, then we become the children of God. But we don't become the children of God by joining Lake St. John Baptist Church or any other Baptist church. We become a child of God. We become a, a, a branch attached to vine Jesus 
only by grace through faith in the finished work of the Lord and Savior Himself, Jesus Christ. So He says, I am the true vine, and My Father is the husbandman. Every branch that is in Me beareth fruit, and every branch that beareth not fruit, He taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through your word, or through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in me. No more can you bear fruit, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branch, he that abideth in me, and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you're not a one, you're not a two, you're certainly not a ten, you're a zero. For if you are not abiding in me, without me, you can do nothing. Not a little bit, not a lot, but zero. It goes on to say this in verse 6. Uh, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in His love. Verse 11 says this, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Boy, what, what a, you, you can preach for that uh, on just those 11 verses, probably for the next three or four Sundays in a row and not exhaust all of the teaching that is found in those. But what we want to pay a special attention to is our relationship to Christ. And here we're taught that one of the areas of that relationship we have with Christ is in life. It says, I am the vine and ye are the branches. And the connection that we as branches have to the vine, Jesus Christ, is a connection that brings life. You know what happens when you cut a branch off from a vine. Then that life leaves the branch. But as long as we are connected to the true vine. Now I'm not saying connected to the church. You can be a member of the church physically. Written on the roll books physically of this church and have no life in you. The life that is found is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And it's not to the church. It's not even to the Bible. You search the Scriptures. I, I quote this verse all the time. I surprise myself sometimes at how many times I found available to use it. But so many people are putting their faith and their trust in the building, the church, or in the Bible, the Word of God, but they're missing the God of the church. And the Bible says you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which speak of Me. And you'll not receive Me that you might have life. Life. You see, the relationship that we have with God is built on a relationship through Jesus Christ by faith and trust in His finished work 
on the cross, we become a partaker of the divine nature that literally the Holy Spirit of God comes to take up residence on the inside of me and I am alive by connection to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and Him living His life on the inside of me. Of course, we, uh, we see that in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11. But it's not only the relationship that we have with Christ, which is a, a living relationship or a relationship of life, the Holy Spirit of God coming to take up residence on the inside of us, but it's also a, a relationship of dependence. You see, I am dependent upon my relationship with Christ, not only for life, but it says the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And if the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, and we're talking about a, a literal branch connected to a literal vine, that if it is not connected to the vine, that branch is not going to bring forth any fruit in its life. By the way, if Jesus Christ is the vine and we are the branch, the only way that we bring forth fruit, and the fruit that I'm talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. The Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. But you cannot produce the fruit of the image and likeness of God in your life if you are not vitally connected to the vine itself. We're just branches. We don't produce fruit. It's the sap that runs through the, the vine that reaches to the branch that produces. And by the way, when we're connected to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God flowing through us is what produces the fruit in our life. So we have life only by being connected to Jesus Christ, the vine, and then we as the branch produce the fruit only by the power that flows out of Jesus Christ into our lives. We have life. We have dependence. But we also see that there's got to be cooperation. There's a lot of people that say, well, you know, since I am saved, since the Holy Spirit of God does live on the inside of me, old things are passed away, all things are new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. Therefore, I'm, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. When I die, I'll make it. And, and that's really the biggest part of it, right? Wrong. No, no, no. You see, going to heaven is just the icing on the cake. But living an intimate love relationship with a risen Lord and Savior here in this life and being used by Him in the world around us to reach into our families. By the way, don't you have children? Don't you have grandchildren? Don't you have loved ones? Don't you have neighbors? Don't you have friends? Don't you have people that you care enough about that you want the power of God living on the inside of you to be able to use them to reach use you to reach into their lives? to have an impact in their life. Well, in order to do that, then we've got to cooperate with God. Certainly, our relationship to Christ brings life into our life. At first, I've got, it's me. Me and you, Lord. And if I don't have that right, then nothing else matters. If I, what I put on Facebook, I think I said that if I, if I, if I don't please God, it doesn't matter who else I please. But if I do please God, it doesn't matter who else I displease. And certainly that is true. My intimate love relationship with Christ is the most important thing in my life. That I have eternal life by grace through faith. That I depend on Him to live the life that He wants me to live and that I cooperate with Him. How do I cooperate with Him? Without me, the Bible says, you can do nothing in verse 5. 
of this text. Without me, you can do nothing. So how can I be an impact on my wife? How can I be an impact on my children and my grandchildren and the people that I love if I'm not connected to divine Jesus and living the life and carrying on the relationship with Him that He demands, not requests, but demands me to carry on with Him, to be faithful and to be submissive to His will in my life. Uh, I love the verse that says that He doeth all things according to the good pleasure of His own will. Okay? In other words, that Jesus Christ is being pleasing to God the Father, and God the Father has His will in the life of Jesus Christ. Oh, and by the way, the Bible says this, it teaches this, you've got to kind of read in between the lines. But, but the Lord says that if you'll be to me what I was to God the Father when I was on the earth, then I'll be to you what God the Father was to me while you're here living your life. And if we will cooperate with God the way that Jesus Christ cooperated with the Father, if we'll cooperate with Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ will live His life through us in the way that God the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, lived His life in the man, Jesus Christ, on this earth. We can be used by God, but we've got to cooperate and surrender our lives to the Lordship. And then you see the great possibilities Our relationship with Christ brings life. It brings a life of dependence. It brings a life of cooperation. It brings a life of wonderful possibilities. You see, I can do all things, the Bible says, through Christ. And then you look at that verse 7 and 15, and it says this, If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Do you understand the great possibilities that that verse brings into our hearts, our homes, our families, our lives? But of course, it takes all of the others before that for that to actually be true in our lives. We've got to have everlasting life with a relationship with Christ. We've got to have a life of dependence. We've got to have a life of uh, complete cooperation. And when we do that, when we cooperate with God by living our life for His glory and His honor, then the possibilities are unnumbered. They're unlimited. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can ask whatsoever I will. And I know that because I'm living the life that God has called me to live, I'm not going to ask something that's out of His will. I'm just not. God commands me to pray for the sick. I pray for the sick. Is that God's will for my life? Yes. Did I answer the prayer that God has has commanded me? Yes. I'm being obedient. Do everybody that I pray for get well? No. No. Well then, see, you didn't get what you asked for. No, I did too. Because I asked for Your will to be done, Lord. Same thing that Jesus asked for in the garden. Not My will, but Thine be done. Lord, I pray for the sick because You command me to pray for the sick. If You heal them, that's Your business. My business is to pray. My business is to be faithful. And my friend, you'll be surprised at how more often you see your prayers lining up with the will of God when we're following this prescription that I just laid out. Well, secondly, in verse 12 through 17, I want you to know not only our relationship with Christ, but our relationship with one another. You look at verse 12, and it says this, This is My commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Boy, I'll tell you what. That's a tough commandment. Because Christ loved us completely and totally. He, he loved us 
without condition. Now, I say that with reserve. And when I say with reserve, I know that God said His heart, His affection, His love on me from before the foundation of the world, before I committed any sin, before I ever drew a breath or a heartbeat, God had already said His love and affection on me and was going to draw me to Himself and save my soul. But while I'm here in this life, the Bible teaches me that I am to love Him. And if I love Him, then He will love me. And that just simply means this, that I will love you with the love my Father loved me with if you will obey me the way that I obeyed the Father when I was in this world. Now, He loves me with an uncompromising, unconditional love when it comes to salvation. But when it comes to me being blessed by the blessings of God in this life, again, that is dependent on my relationship to Him. Now, this says in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another the way that I have loved you. Well, if I know that God loved me unconditionally and shed His love abroad in my heart, what is the love of God shed abroad in my heart if not my understanding of God's love for me? God shed abroad in my heart an understanding of how much He loved me to let Christ die in my stead. Wow. Now I love Him because He first loved me. When I come to that realization of what He did through Christ for me, I love Him back. His love for me, my love for Him. Oh, but it's His love for you through me. You see, it's a threefold love. There's a threefold relationship. Our relationship with God. Our relationship with one another as Christians. But our relationship with the world. My relationship with you as a Christian should be different than my relationship to the world. Because God set His heart, His love, His affection on you. My heart, my love, my affection should be set on you. And we should encourage and strengthen and take care of one another the same way that God has taken care of us. It goes on to say in verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Ye are my friends, if you do. He's giving us... Now listen, I want you to notice something. Verse 12 and verse 17 end in the same frame of mind. And it is, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another. Verse 17 says, these things I command you that you love one another. You see the focus is on us loving one another. But 13 through 16 is an example that we should follow of the love of Christ for His people. You look again, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth much fruit, that your fruit should be uh, should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in My name, He may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. My friend, listen. When we're talking about our relationship with one another, uh, that they all may be one is what it says in John chapter 17, verse 21. See, we as Christians, we should be a body. And just like this body, 
You know, the body of Christ has fingers and hands and arms and legs and ears and eyes and nose, tongues, mouths, all of these different parts. We are all different parts of the same body of Christ. And what body ever hated itself but one hand washes the other and takes care of the rest of the body? It's not jealous. You know, my eyes don't stop seeing just because it's not the brain. And my hands don't start working, stop working just because it's not an eye. Uh, we, we don't become jealous of one another because God has maybe given one a gift and another a different gift. But God has put us all together to bring us together, to bring glory and honor to Him. And we should love one another as all parts of the body love each other and take care of each other. There is a oneness in life, the Bible says. Each branch is possessed by the same sap. When the branch is connected to the vine, there is a root that goes in the ground and it draws up nutrients and it produces nourishment, sap that goes out of the branch, in, I mean, out of the vine into the branches. And because of that sap, all of the branches produce fruit. Some this fruit, some that fruit, some this fold, that fold, some thirty fold, some a hundred fold. But my friend, all of the branches produce fruit when we have love one for another. And when we have love and submission to the Word of God and to the God of the Word. But it's not only oneness in life, it's oneness in love. It says, love one another as I have loved you. Look again at verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And it goes on to say this, one life, one love, one Friendship. Boy, it says, I have called you friend. What is verse 14? Look at that. You are my friends. Oh, wait a minute. If. People say, oh, the love of God is unconditional. Well, that's true enough. He loves us and there's nothing that's going to happen that's going to cut me off and be able to cast me into a lake of fire. Certainly, if I'm not bearing fruit for the glory and honor of God, God will purge me. And if I don't bear fruit when He purges me, then He'll cast me off. But He's talking about fruit. He's not talking about the person. He's talking about literally, either I'm going to bear fruit and live a life that brings glory and honor to Him and be a witness to the world around me, or He will take me out of this world. Take me out of this life. My friend, we have a oneness of life, a oneness of love. That is what it says in 1 John 4, 21 and uh, John 13, 35, that we have a love one for another and there's a oneness in friendship. I've called you friends if you do whatsoever things I have commanded and told you. And we have a oneness in responsibility, a oneness in work. You don't understand that God has called all of us to be a part. There are, there's no part of my body that does not have a specific function, that has a specific job. And when it malfunctions, when it stops doing what it's supposed to be doing, the rest of the body suffers. I, uh, I messed up, didn't have a shoe on the other day, and I didn't stump a toe, but uh, it hit my foot right beside my toe and hit where that joint, the big toe joins into my foot and it just peeled the hide off of it. Yeah, I hopped around there for about 30 seconds. <laughs> 
And I says, well, yeah, and I pulled the skin off of it. But I didn't doctor it. I didn't do anything to it. I, I was busy. And I just, I said, well, I'll go put some antibiotic or something on it after a while. Didn't do it. You know, that thing got hot and swole up, turned red, got ugly. <laughs> it reminded me, hey, you were supposed to take care of me. You didn't do it. Now I ain't going to take care of you. And uh, my whole foot throbs because of that. Do you understand that that is exactly the way the church functions? When, when one person hurts, when we have uh, a malfunction in the body, the rest of the body ultimately can find that out. I, I remember Miss Mary Lou Squires. We talked about her in Sunday school this morning. And uh, she, she got an a injury similar to mine on her big toe. And uh, she didn't go and get, get it taken care of. You know what happened? She wound up losing her toe. You know what happened? She wound up, uh, I think she wound up losing part of her foot, and then she wound up dying from that infection that set up in her foot. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her again one day. What a sweetheart of a lady. But I'm telling you this, that to tell you this, that when there is a ism or a schism or a division or a uh, virus that has set up an infection in our physical bodies, the same thing happens in our spiritual body, which is the church, and it can cause illness. Uh, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth much fruit. You see, that is the work that God has ordained or called us as the body of Christ to do. That we should go and bring forth much fruit. Certainly we want to win sheep, bringing in the sheep, bringing in the law, sharing our testimony. We'll be talking about that in a minute. But this fruit, I believe, is the testimonial fruit of the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. Now when I'm limping down the road and people see me limp because I've got an infection in my foot, they can tell something's wrong. Something ain't right. When I'm not living the life that God has called me and I'm not sharing my testimony and uh, the Holy Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance is not being seen in my life, then people can look at me and say, hey, something's wrong. Something's wrong. He calls himself a Christian. He says he's a minister, he's a pastor, but he's not ministering. He's not, he's not bearing witness. He's not bearing fruit. He's not sharing the testimony that God has given him to testify about. Well, thirdly and lastly, our relationship to the world. My friends, certainly I should be a good testimony to my flock. You should be a good testimony to your family, to your friends, to your loved ones, to other believers in Christ. But certainly we should be a testimony to those that are within the household of God. But also, we should know how to live and how to be a testimony to those that are on the outside of the house or the fold of God. You look at verse 19, and it says this, If ye were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of... Boy, I love that terminology. There's another place in the Bible and. Uh, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, it says, uh, out of every kindred, tongue, nation, creed, and people, I have chosen you, I have redeemed you out of. And here it says basically the same thing. I have, I have ordained, I have called you out of the world, chosen you out of the world. 
Why did you choose me, Lord, out of the world? Because you set your heart, your love, your desire, your affection on me. And that I might bring glory and honor unto you by living a life that does exactly that. That is a testimony to the rest of the flock of God, but also that I might be a testimony to the world that you have called me out of. But notice what that that says, you are not of the world. Did, Did you know that even before the foundation of the world, I was not of the world? That God says... Oh, I have sheep you know not of. In the mind of God, before the world was formed, I was already in the mind and the heart of God, one of His children, one of His sheep. I have chosen you out of the world. When did you choose me? Before the foundation of the world. And I have called you out of that world to be a testimony, not only to the other children, the other sheep, the other people of God, but that you might go out into the world, be a testimony in two different ways. You're going to be a testimony to the lost of their damnation because they're going to look at you and they're going to see Christ and they're going to hate your guts. They do. The world does not love us. They're not going to love us. You're not going to convert a goat and turn him into a sheep. Goats are goats. Sheep are sheep. Goats never become sheep. Not in the physical realm and not in the spiritual realm. We have always been sheep. We were lost sheep and a sheep gone astray. God sends the Holy Spirit after one sheep and He'll find him and bring him back to the fold. But my friend, we are supposed to go out into the world with the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, be a testimony against the darkness of the world, but look for those that are of the light of the world. That we might shine the light of Jesus Christ in the face, not only of the darkness of the world, but those that are to come out of darkness and to be a part of the light. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 through 8 speaks about that, that we are called by His grace, cleansed by His blood, made meat for the fellowship by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to be separate from the world. Separation. You are not of the world. That's what that says in verse 19. You are not of the world. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. I'll be unto you a God. You'll be unto me a people. And you can live your life in such a way that will be a testimony against the darkness, but to the light, to draw them to Himself. We are in opposition to the world. Separation from the world. Opposition to the world. It amazes me. That, that I see so many Christians that want to make friendship with the world. That we want to get along, you know, go along to get along. And, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I got a business partner. I've got people in my family. I got cousins and nephews and even children or, or maybe a wife or a husband that is lost. And, and, you know, I've got to go along to get along. Well, I understand to a degree that's true, especially if it's a husband and a wife. My friend, we should never lose our saltiness. We should never forget the reason that God has called us out of darkness and into light. That He might use us, first of all, for His... See, we always have an ulterior motive to having a connection to the lost world. First of all, if a person is saved, they shouldn't marry a person of the world, of the darkness. Well, I'll, I'll love him. I'll, I'll reach him. I'll draw him. Now, more than likely, he's going to drag you back out into that world instead of you drawing him into salvation. But if you find yourself in that situation, then 
still be the Christian God has called you to be. Be a testimony. Don't don't give up your convictions. Don't don't cave and collapse and not well. You know he's not going. She's not going to work or to church with me today. So I'm going to stay home and and uh, I'll, I'll be a testimony to him here. No, you're a testimony when you are faithful to God. You are only a faithful testimony to Christ when you are being a faithful testimony to the people that Christ has put you in their lives that you might influence them for the glory and honor of God. And the same should be true for our children and our grandchildren. We don't love them so much that we're not going to preach to them. I've heard people tell me, well, you know, I'm just going to show, I'm going to let him know I'm a Christian and I'm a believer, but I ain't going to make him go to church and Sunday school. I'm going to let him make up his own mind when he gets grown or she gets grown. That's insanity. Do you do that with, do you do that with school? Do, do you, do you just wait and, and find out whether they want to go to high school when they get grown? No, you're going to make them go to school. Why? Because you know what's best for them. And my friends, sometimes we as parents, have to not be their friend, but be their parent. And to love them enough to do the right thing. To be in opposition to their desires and the things that they want. Separation from the world. In opposition to the world. Witnessing for Christ. You see, we're in separation from. We're in opposition from. But we are witnessing. It's not about them about Him. You see, I'm witnessing for, not against. I'm not going to go tell you that, hey, that's wrong. That ain't right. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm supposed to fish in the pond, right? One guy told me, a good friend of mine, you're supposed to fish in the pond. You ain't, you ain't cleaning up the pond. That's not your job. Well, I don't believe that. I think we can do both. Amen? I think that I can share my testimony, witness and preach and teach and live. Some One guy said, well, you, you preach the gospel and use words if necessary. I believe words are necessary. God chose by the foolishness of preaching that the lost or some of the lost might be saved. But I can also point out to the world, man, you ought not be doing that. God commands us to love people enough to point out the error of their ways and to try to lovingly lead them, whether they're Christians or whether they're lost, doesn't matter. Especially if they're Christians, though, that we should come alongside them and say, hey, brother, sister, do, do you see what... Let me hold this book up. See, it's a mirror. This is a mirror, man. It's a mirror. Have you looked at yourself in this lately? The things that you're doing, this is saying, no, don't do that. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Do you understand what we're saying is that we have a relationship with God. That we might know how to have a relationship with the church, other believers. And that we might be used by God in our relationship with a lost and dying world. My friend, that is what this whole chapter is really all about. It says in verse 27, Ye shall bear Witness, because you have been with me. Now, if you're not with Him, if you're not walking with Him, if you're not talking with Him, if you're not studying His Word and hiding it in His heart, if you're not condemning your own sin and fighting against it, you have absolutely nothing to say to anybody else. As a matter of fact, just shut up. Shh. Don't say anything. 
because you're going to mess it up. There's no sense in hypocrisy in a Christian's life. There's a, there's a story in the Bible. I had to go to two different books to get it. Ezekiel and Genesis. But it, it describes the wardrobe of the priest. And, and it talks about it being a, a wardrobe made of linen. It has to be linen. And around the ephod, there's a pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate and a bell. And a pomegranate and a bell. All the way around the linen ephod. And through my study of this chapter here, I was thinking about that fruit that was on the linen ephod. And a bell. And I got to thinking that when we bear fruit, we show the people. When we bear fruit, people look at us and they see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And they're drawn to Christ by the fruit that they see in our lives. That's good. But what about the bell? You see, you bear the fruit and you show the people. But you ring the bell and you tell the people. My friend, if you are not going to bear the fruit, don't ring the bell. Because people look at you as a hypocrite. If you're not living the life, if it's not a life of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance, if those things are not evident in your life for people to look at you and see Christ living His life on the inside of you, certainly don't pick up your bell and go to ringing it and telling people, come to church and believe in Jesus when they're looking at you thinking, what in the world are you talking about? You know what that linen ephod? This is the part I found in Ezekiel. I never could figure that out. Why did it have to be linen? Well, in Ezekiel it says this, that linen is a light cloth. That it's breezy. That it's airy. And it doesn't cause one to sweat. You know what I figured out? That you don't enter into the kingdom of God by the sweat of your brow, but by the grace of God. And that linen ephod represents grace and not works. Certainly, I am not a child of God because I bear the fruit. I do this. I do that. I ring. No. I, I bear the fruit because of the grace of Jesus Christ in my heart. We're not saved by works. We're saved by the grace of God. But my friend, when we are saved by grace and we are bearing fruit in our lives, then we go out and ring the bell. And tell people how good God is. How good He has been to me. What He has done in my heart, my home, my family, my life. That He has changed me. Unchangeably. <laughs> changed me. From who I used to be. Maybe not completely into what He wants me to be. He's still working on me. But He has changed me. Into somebody that wants to please Him with my life. Do you want to please Him? Do you know Him? Have you surrendered your heart and your life to Him? Are you being faithful? Are you walking? Not just talking, but walking the walk and living the life. Not just ringing the bell, but bearing the fruit that other people might be drawn to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your love, for Your mercy. Thank You for this time, God, that we've had together here in Your house. Uh, in the parking lot, out on Facebook. God, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice 
has made a determination. First of all, to have a relationship, a real, genuine, intimate love relationship with you that has resulted in their new life that was given by grace through faith. And then the relationship that they have with other believers, the church, that it also is an intimate love relationship and that we come together forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together, but as we see the day approaching, wanting, yearning for, desiring the fellowship of other believers and the teaching of Your Word. God, then that we might realize our relationship to the lost and dying world around us. God, that we should let our light shine. That we should live a life that brings glory and honor to You. We'll praise You for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can I ask you to take